Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of NHASED Spotlight, a podcast. This is where we discuss educational topics in order to be a catalyst for conversation to inspire excellence in teaching, learning, and leading. This is Jan Yost, the Executive Director of NHASED and your host for this episode. Welcome to NHASED Spotlight. Today we have two acclaimed authors and leaders in education. But before I introduce our guests, I'd like to welcome Kristen Moreland, who is the Director of Teaching and Learning in Littleton, New Hampshire, and an NHASED board member as my co-host for this episode. Welcome back, Kristen. Thank you so much, Jan. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now for our amazing guests. With us today, Dr. Stephanie Arzanetti Height and Jenny Donahue, who are the authors of a new Haitian leading collective efficacy, powerful stories of achievement and equity. Stephanie and Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're really excited to hear about your work in your new book. Well, thanks for having us. As I said, we're excited. So let's start maybe for those listeners who may not know who you are, unlikely, but just in case, um, we'd like each of you maybe to tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of your journey to where you are now. Steph, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I'm happy to be speaking to folks up in New Hampshire. Um, I am sort of your neighbor, uh, speaking to you from just outside Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Um, I have been a teacher in the classroom, a school administrator, a school leader, you name it. I've worn a lot of those hats in education. Uh, For the past 10 years, I've really been doing a lot of research, writing, and consulting, um, and my work has really shifted into supporting the capacity building of teams. So, of course, you can see why collective efficacy is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm super excited to be here with my co-author, Jenny Donahue. I'm pretty sure is more of a household name than I am. Jenny, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm a former classroom teacher, and then I worked at the uh, district level in Ontario, Canada, supporting new teacher induction. Uh, That eventually led me to work at the provincial level with the Ministry of Education supporting adolescent literacy. I'm an author, educational consultant, and I work currently with schools and districts, mostly in North America and some internationally, uh, working to improve the quality of professional learning. Thank you both so very much. Really appreciate it. So, Steph, could you tell us a bit about the book and your motivation for writing it? Absolutely. Um, As I said, Jenny Donahue is more of the household name. Folks who are familiar with collective efficacy probably are familiar with her books. Um, And I've done a little writing myself. I co-authored a book with um, Doug Fisher and Nancy Fry a few years ago um, around instruction. And so, you know, my work has been around building teacher leadership, building team capacity around collaboration. And I had the really good fortune of partnering with Jenny at a conference. And I said to her at one point, you know, Jenny, here's what I'm I'm gaining, you know, from the field now. Collective efficacy is becoming pretty well known now in the United States. And everybody's coming to me when I talk about collective efficacy and they're saying, we got it, Steph. We know it's important. How do we do it? And so I approached Jenny with a how do we do it type of a book idea. And that was kind of the 
um, genesis for um, our partnering on the book, we wanted to really think about how we could feature schools and districts and organizations that had been successful in building collective efficacy by tapping into the really important conditions that foster it. And fortunately, she said yes. She thought it was a great idea. And so we partnered on this book. Yeah, so and I think, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think the timing was really important. As Steph said, people were understanding what collective efficacy is, but really wanting some real world examples of places where educators and school leaders practice and then helping them understand what they could learn from some of those case studies that are included in the book. Such a hugely important concept is, is all I was going to say. Um, and having those, those practical examples of what it looks like is, is really, really helpful. Could you just um, back up a little bit though and, and share with us um, what that, that, that definition of collective efficacy is? Absolutely. And I, I turn to Megan Shannon Moran's definition often because I think that she articulated it so well. Uh, she calls it, she, well, she refers to collective teacher efficacy as the, as the belief that teachers in a given school make an educational impact to their students over and above the educational impact of students' homes and communities. And so there's a lot to unpack there in that definition. And when I share that with educators, what resonates with them often um, are the phrases over and above and the phrase educational impact. Um, and then of course, and a very important part of that concept is belief, that it's not a program, it's not an initiative, but it's a belief system. And, and a very important belief system because we know that collective efficacy beliefs impact how teams think, feel, motivate themselves and behave. So Steph, I don't know if you want to jump in there at all. No, that's just my favorite part to emphasize is that word belief. And I think when teams invite us in, they often think we're going to come in with a recipe or a playbook of sorts that, you know, here's what you do to build collective efficacy. And truthfully, it's so much bigger than that. It's really challenging work. It's also the most important work. So I'm wondering, um, as you develop that belief system, collective teacher efficacy, what is the educational impact and how does it improve student achievement and decrease achievement gaps? So I think that's what people are looking for. I mean, among other things. Well, so, so we, we, yeah, we look to um, Professor John Hattie's research as our, you know, really the important um, indicator of why collective efficacy is so important. So for those who may not be familiar, I'll give you just the tiniest little overview. Professor Hattie has been, um, and his team have been conducting meta-analyses on what has the highest impact in education. They've been doing this work now for quite a number of years. And the meta-analyses have shown that the effect size of collective efficacy far surpasses the effect sizes of other influence. So as Jenny was talking about in um, Shannon Moran's definition, when we think about the influence of, of home environment, parental involvement, peer influences, um, socioeconomic status, those are typically uh, factors that are outside of our control as educators. And so one of the things we really like to highlight is that the effect size of collective efficacy is more than double the impact of those other influences, and that is within our control. So we know that it has the potential to highly impact student achievement. We know that we've got meta-analysis research that have shown that it not only increases student achievement, but 
it reduces opportunity gaps for students who are uh, who may be marginalized or lacking in opportunities. And we know it's something within our control. So because of all of those things, we know that this is an area where schools and districts are best served by putting their time and energy into. Jenny, do you want to add to that a little bit? Sure. And, and just thinking about how does it improve student achievement? Well, when efficacy is firmly established, teachers, individuals, and teams tend to put forth greater effort, and that effort produces better results. They are more motivated. They persist, even when faced with difficult challenges. And because of that, those efficacy beliefs help to drive them to better outcomes because it works through their motivations and persistence uh, and efforts. Often when we think about the how we increase student achievement, and, and of course, we're always reluctant to always look to test scores because we know that there are a lot of different ways that we can assess the success of our students and and um, and think about what, you know, what we're looking for, what we envision as what we want for our students um, in terms of success. When we're faced with things like massive opportunity gaps or students who are often marginalized in the system, those are not easy challenges. We call those adaptive challenges. It means that there's no recipe or, you know, instruction manual that's going to help us address those because every context is really unique. And so what we need to do is think about how we're going to adapt to address those challenges for our students. And so if we don't have that resilience, that belief, that firm confidence that together we can overcome those barriers, there's a high likelihood that we won't. That's, um, and Jenny would share with you, that's one of the enemies of efficacy when we don't have those firm beliefs. So when we're confronted with those adaptive challenges, cultivating that belief is just absolutely essential. And if we have a lack of efficacy, we tend not to put forth the effort because we don't believe our efforts will amount to much. So I'm just so blown away with like, I just love all of this. Steph mentioned earlier that she came to you with this idea of how to put this into practice. And in this book, you provide a model for leading collective teacher efficacy in school. Um, this model includes five big concepts or these enabling conditions. Could you elaborate on these concepts? Uh, sure. Steph and I shared the concern that um, once John Hattie made the announcement that collective teacher efficacy was at the top of the list of all the factors that matter most in raising student achievement, Steph and I were concerned about the claims that we started to hear out there in the field that basically everything under the sun now was a way to enhance efficacy. And so we turned to the research to investigate what are some of the antecedents or the things within the environment that are shown through research to enhance collective teacher efficacy. And we built our model based on our literature search and we uncovered five key factors, which we call the enabling conditions. Um, one is supportive leadership. We know that leaders need to be there supporting their teachers, ensuring that teachers have the resources they need to get their jobs done well and buffering them from some of those external demands, ensuring that they stay focused on what matters most, and that is student learning needs. Another enabling condition is empowered teachers. And we identified that because the research shows that there is a clear and strong relationship between the degree of teacher leadership in a school 
and collective teacher efficacy. So it becomes important that school leaders provide the space for teachers to make important decisions on things that are relevant to policy and practice in schools and find ways to um, you know, ensure teachers have voice in some of those decisions and empowering them that way. Um, another factor is cohesive teacher knowledge. And that boils down to the degree to which teachers share ideas about what constitutes effective instruction and assessment practices, and also cohesive knowledge about collective impact. What is the um, impact that our out-of-class collaborations have on our consequences in the classroom? Um, another enabling condition is goal consensus. The research shows that where teachers have opportunities to um, both um, have a process in place for, for creating goals together and uh, voice in, in what those goals are, that there's an enhanced sense of efficacy. So it's important to provide teachers with opportunities to craft short-term mastery type goals. And the final enabling condition is embedded reflective practices where teachers have structures to come together to inquire about some of those dilemmas of their practice to engage in joint work and shared knowledge building when they um, can solve some of those dilemmas of practice together, it enhances their efficacy. So when that hierarchy is flattened and teachers are provided with opportunities to um, problem solve, it enhances their efficacy. I, I love the way that you've organized this and it's so clear um, and helpful. I would have loved to have something like that because I'm very concrete. So uh, it would have been fantastic, which leads me to the question, how is your book organized and how can um, educators use your book to again, build a collective teacher efficacy? Well, it may sound a little bit simplistic, but we organized the book around those enabling conditions, right? I mean, it just seemed to make a whole lot of sense. Um, and so we decided that we wanted to share stories, success stories, you know, schools and districts that have had um, the impact they were looking for by building their collective efficacy. And we thought it might be useful to analyze each of those stories through the enabling conditions, um, you know, using them as lenses into the work that schools have done. Uh, one of the other things that we often hear when we are invited in to work with educators is, you know, okay, we're ready to build collective efficacy. And remember, it's about building belief and building a culture and putting some structures in place. So I always say that's great, but we have to build it around something, you know. And so what I think is really um, very helpful for educators from, you know, when they read our book is they see some tangible examples of the things that schools have chosen to use as their focal point to use um, when they're considering building collective efficacy. Um, for example, our goal consensus chapter um, features our colleagues in um, uh, Maine Township in Illinois, and they built it around a coaching academy. So really focusing on the adult learners in their district. And they had to go through some really robust goal consensus processes in order to do that. Um, and then each chapter uses that sort of same story of success, but through a different lens. 
Um, I, I have to say, I want to go back to a little bit when Jenny was saying um, that we were concerned about, you know, all these team building exercises being labeled collective efficacy. That kind of, you know, that sort of speaks to why we wanted to share these success stories. These are big undertakings by these schools and districts. These are not you know, getting to people together for an in-service on an afternoon, having them play a game of hungry, hungry hippos with human beings as the hippos and everybody laughing and having a good time. And it's not that Jenny and I are against having a good time. We think it's important to have a lot of fun in our work. What we're trying to emphasize is that that's not actually efficacy building. That's having a good time versus really diving deeply into these conditions um, to, for schools to think deeply about their work and how their work is going to help them build collective efficacy. So it's kind of an interdependent relationship. Jenny, do you wanna to add to that? No, I, and I wanna give Steph the credit for really conceptualizing this book and for finding many of the stories. A lot of them come from her work in the field. And uh, what I do love about the book is it does demonstrate where it has, has happened. And so if people are looking to learn or gain a sense of efficacy vicariously, which is one of the ways in which efficacy is enhanced, what we were thinking about as we were organizing and writing this book was, um, you know, people can turn to this and see and say, well, if they did it there in Maine Township, then we can do it too, because we're like Maine Township, or we're like one of the other um, districts that's featured in the book. So we hope that it becomes a, a source of, um, I guess, a source to enhance efficacy for people who are out there trying to do this work. They can see where it's been done. And, you know, I'd love to share another example um, that's not in the book because it's work that um, I've done since the book was published. But one of my favorite ways to build efficacy is around curricular curriculum development. You know, this is important work that involves teachers. You may have noticed when Jenny talked about the conditions, the heavy involvement of teachers in decision making in terms of what happens in schools, what happens in instruction, what happens in policy development, etc. One of my favorite areas to do this in is in curriculum development. Teachers should be heavily involved in that. And I am actually working all year um, with a district in New Hampshire. I'm, on getting teachers involved and developing their curriculum. So not only are we focused on building curriculum together, we're also focused on how is this a collaborative process where we think meaningfully about what we want for our students. What, what, what is our vision for our students when they walk across that stage and receive their diploma? What is it that we want for them? How are we gonna achieve that together? How are we going to keep revisiting our actions, the, the goals we set for our students, the assessments we're gonna develop and then the instruction that they're gonna engage in. And this is all within a very large scale curriculum project, but you can see how that taps into these conditions really in a meaningful way. So we always say that if you've got a big project, that's great, but let's use these conditions as lenses to help focus and refine the work that we're doing so that we can really build that efficacy. I want to thank you both so very much. This was so enlightening. I so appreciate you taking time um, to be with us um, and again, share your work. And I just want to remind our listeners that the name of the book is Leading Collective Efficacy, Powerful Stories of Achievement and Equity. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of NHASCD Spotlight. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And be sure to visit us on our website, 
nhascd.org.